Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And on today's episode of the Obsidian Nights podcast, we are back in the Dothraki Sea with Daenerys. Well, not the Dothraki Sea, but almost. But we're covering Daenerys 6. And I am joined today by my special guest, Call Easy. Call Easy, would you like to tell the people who you are and where they can find you? Hello, sweet summer fam. I am Kaleezy on Twitter. Well, actually, my at name is RudeBoy underscore Tay. And you can also follow me on Instagram there. But if you're strictly looking to follow someone for a Song of Ice and Fire content, then you can look me up on Cora's Delante Martin. I answer questions. But that's about it. Awesome. So you have two Daenerys fans here to talk to you about Daenerys 6 of a Game of Thrones. <laughs> so Daenerys 6 opens up. It says, when he had taken his pleasure, called Drogo rose from their sleeping mats to tower above her. His skin shone dark as bronze in the ruddy light from the brazier, the faint lines of old scars visible on his broad chest. Ink black hair, loose and unbound, cascaded over his shoulders and down his back, well past his waist. His manhood glistened wetly. The <laughs> call's mouth twisted in a frown beneath the droop of his long mustachio. The stallion who mounts the world has no need of iron chairs. First of all, why do they describe Drogo, Drogo, <laughs> Drogo like that? <laughs> <laughs> when I was rereading that, I was honestly just in awe of George's ability to totally disconnect from himself and pretend to be someone else. Because, like, he just he sounds so hot for Drogo in that description. Like, like, so yes. it's just, like it, it's really giving me he's really like writing from the perspective of Daenerys. Because, yeah, Drogo sounds sexy as fuck in that description. Like. Right. And she don't even stop there. She's like, he's tall and magnificent. She loved his hair, especially it had never been cut. He had never <laughs> known defeat. Like she was just like gas and cultural through this whole opening of this chapter. Um <laughs> So they talk about the stallion who mounts the world prophecy about, um, she's like, it was prophesied that the stallion will ride to the ends of the earth. And Drogo's like, the earth ends at the Black Salt Sea. So Danny is basically trying to convince Call Drogo to take Westeros, like to go to Westeros. That's Danny's goal. And this is interesting because this is kind of a different Danny than we saw before her brother died. Like before Viserys died, Danny really never talked to Call Drogo about going to Westeros or anything like that. Like she talked to Jorah about it a couple of times, but she never talked to Call Drogo about it. And I feel like this echoes, this is like kind of foreshadowing to the house of the undying when they give her that title the daughter of death so mm. out of Viserys's death Daenerys is 
born. She's born into like, she's the rightful queen now. She mm-hmm. thought it was it like in her eyes, it was Viserys. Now it's her. And like, you can see that she's starting to move on this very, very quickly. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think as soon as Viserys died, she just like, uh, she had this awakening. She's like, it's, it's me now. Like, it's all on my back. Like, I have to restore our house. Like, everything Viserys taught me can't die with him. So I 100% see her, like, just seeing, like, this is her responsibility now. Like, she's, she, like, in, even, like, after Drogo um, shoots her down or whatever, she, like, immediately goes to Jorah and, like, you have to, like, help me convince him. Like, she's not giving up on this. So, and I, and it's funny, I had not connected it to her House of the Undying Prophecy, but I definitely see that, like, Daughter of Death, like, her being born from Viserys' death. I I love that comparison. I agree. Yeah. I it, well, like when I was rereading and I was like, okay, this is where it's it's here. Cause I went back and looked at her other chapters. Like, did she ever was she ever so like she's really trying to convince him, like you said, like she's not giving up. Like she even like as the chapter continues, she's like, well, he's going hunting. Maybe he'll come back. He'll be in a better mood. He'll be more receptive. <laughs> but <laughs> in the meantime, let me send for Sir Jorah. And she's like, even asking like Jorah, like, what can I do? Like, how can I convince him? Right. And she, she wants to go home. Like home is a big thing for her. It, it always has been every chapter of Daenerys's so far. She has thought about either the house with the red door or a home that she's never had as far as King's Landing, Dragonstone. Like she says, you know, um, she visioned King's Landing when, and every door was red. I definitely agree with that for Daenerys. I, I see that too like in every chapter she's she's just always thinking about home and not even to like not jump too far ahead but like in her infamous final chapter like in a dance of dragons when she's like hallucinating or whatever she literally like when jorah asks her about when the hallucination of sajora like chastises her for staying in marine like she basically says like she was tired, like she she wanted to rest. Like Daenerys is always looking for a home wherever she goes. Like yeah. even like in a clash of kings, like when she stumbled on the city of bones, like she was like pondering if her people could stay there and like make it a home. Like she's mm-hmm. just always trying to find a home. Yeah, and it's funny because there's like two sides to Danny. So there's the dragon and it's like, you know, the dragon plants no trees. <laughs> and right. then there's then there's like the the mother, the the queen, the person that longs for home and longs for a place where she belongs. Mm-hmm. And it's like those people, those two people inside her are always at conflict with one another. And that is the heart in conflict with itself that George likes to write about all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, A part of Daenerys's battle is just the conflict within herself of who she wants to be and who she has to be in order to get 
to where she wants to be, which it's not a pretty road. And mm. like in this chapter alone, like I feel so bad for her because it, it this quote like um made me really sad. She said she had never seen the seven kingdoms either, no more than Drogo, yet she felt as though she knew them from all the tales her brother had told her. Viserys had promised her a thousand times that he would take her back one day, but he was dead now and his promises had died with him. And now she's like, well, he can't take me anymore. So somebody has to. And why not me? That's what she's looking at. Why not me? Right. Why not her? Like, yeah, that's, and that's, uh, that's something I love about her character is she really she's not she's she's just like not gonna give up like she she wants what she wants and she's not gonna stop until she gets it so i her wanting a home like her and her associating westeros with her true home makes sense because i mean her brother tells her that that's where they came from that's why they have nothing because they were cast out so she's that is home to her that's where her family was from like even though she never met them like i yeah i i really i get it yeah get it. and you know even like when jora says you know we'll we'll i promise like we'll go home i promise you and she's like home like even the thought of it makes her sad because she's like you know it's just a few tales like what it's not really her home a few tales names recited as solemnly as the words of a prayer the fading mm. memory of a red door and then she starts to think like well maybe Vastel threat could be her forever home mm-hmm. and i'm thinking like forever home home forever like that's like puppy like you know when you adopt a puppy that's the kind of words <laughs> that you use. use yeah and like that so that's how she feels like she's she's was sold to call drogo so she feels like, you know, she's out just out here looking for a forever home. Like she feels like just an adopted person to like, right. she's just been adopted out here. But another thing I think is interesting is that Jorah counsels her not to make the same mistake as Viserys. Because mm. what one of Viserys's mistakes was putting pressure on huh. the Dothraki mm. to, you know, go take Westeros to take, to mm. take back Westeros to give him his, his army. And he had no patience. So he's, you know, kind of counseling Daenerys to have patience. Like what, what is, what is to come will come in, in its own time. Yeah. I, I did notice that too. Like when she, and it's just, it's brilliant. Cause Daenerys is nothing like Viserys. Like she, immediately adapted to the customs and culture of the Dothraki mm-hmm. and she's smart enough to like take counsel on how to on how to approach that situation so yeah I I did notice that that was something and I I do feel like Daenerys takes on some of Viserys's traits like I think her dragon identity is heavily influenced by Viserys mm-hmm. so so with him telling her to not like rush it or not pressure like Kyle Drogo, I did notice that too. And I did notice how she responded. So that was yeah. interesting. Yeah, she is kind of like 
So she adapts to the Dothraki culture, but at the same time, I don't feel like she's satisfied with it. Because when she looks at it, she's like the Doge Colleen's, like the crones of the Doge Colleen. Am I looking at my future? Like, uh. mm. like she's kind of sad. And, and Sir, Sir Jorah notices that she's sad. And it's like, okay, like, do you want to go to visit the Western market? Like, Illyrio might have sent a letter. <laughs> like he's trying lying to, ass. Yeah, he's trying to take her mind off of it. <laughs> and but she's ex- like she's excited for it because the Western market is like the the kind of food that she likes. There's a lot of trading going on there. There's treasures to be had there, mm-hmm. and like she really likes that shit. She does, yeah. She she does really like it. But before we had moved off of the nature of Daenerys' home, there was a point that I wanted to, like, stretch, which, like, how you said it made you sad. Like, that quote does make me sad, and it it's even sadder to realize that I feel like Daenerys really doesn't have a true home. She really doesn't. Like, yeah, she doesn't. Like the the like like I said like yeah Westeros is where her family was from but you know it can't really be your home if you don't have any memories there so it's like that's where she's from but it's not necessarily her home and the Dothraki like you said earlier like she's not really satisfied there mm-hmm. and I just I don't even know what would be her alternative to conquering the Seven Kingdoms like what would be home for Daenerys. Yeah, because Maureen isn't home either. Like, even when she tries to stay in Mar- Maureen, isn't home to her either. And, you know, one of the, like, I hate to ring up the show, but one of the <laughs> things in Game of Thrones Season 7, I believe, mm-hmm. I think it was Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 2, she's sitting at the painted table in Dragonstone, and she's like, this is supposed to be a homecoming. Doesn't feel like home. And I feel like that may be very on key with book Daenerys because Mm -hmm. I feel like there could be a part of Daenerys that after she goes through all of this to get to Westeros it still might not be what she's looking for it still might not fill what's inside of her that is Mm -hmm. longing for home because it's not at the end of the day it's not the house with the red door yeah it's not that yeah it's it, it, it won't be like she I think like you said, not to bring up the show. We know how much we hate the show, but well, the, the end of it. But I do, I do think that something they probably nailed from what's going to be the book Daenerys' experience is that alienation factor in Westeros. Like, yes, she just did not grow up here. You just, these people, even if they decide to follow you, it, it's not, they don't love you. Mm-hmm like you so yeah she uh, it breaks my heart I really don't think Westeros is gonna feel like home when she gets there it breaks mine too and I feel like you hit it right on the head with the alienation there is gonna be alienation because at the end of the day the last the world remembers of Targaryens is the Mad King right that's the last the world remembers is the Mad King and and the difference, like when she is in Young Kai, when she's she takes Young Kai and Astapor and Marine, when she takes these places, she's liberating slaves. Yeah, 
So of course they are thankful for that. But when right. you come to Westeros, it's a different ball game. Most of those people are so that Westeros doesn't have slaves. So you aren't really liberating anyone from anything. And even if you are, they will see you as a traitor or a foreigner. It won't be, mm -hmm. it won't be as easy as it was for her. So I do feel like that there will be some, there will be a lot of alienation. There will be a lot, like they're going to look at her just like Randall Tarley said. She is a foreign queen bringing a foreign army and foreigners to our land. It's going to be just like that. Yeah, they they're they're, they're going to go with the xenophobic route, like yep. and 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 like you said, like she the last they remember of the Targaryens is the Mad King, and even the good Targaryens aren't remembered that well because as far as the world knows, Rhaegar kidnapped and raped Lyanna. Yep. So it's like she, uh, like she just she just has a she has so much working against her when she gets to Westeros, like. It's it's gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's gonna suck, especially. And then I feel like, and then, book Daenerys is also gonna have to deal with the fact that Fagon is probably already there. Yep. So it's like, even if we have decided to forgive the Targaryens, we've already got one. So yeah, I, and most of the Golden Company are exiled like like Fagon has the golden company but they're what they're a lot of them are westerosi they're just exiled right westerosi right. so it's gonna be a mess it's gonna be a mess <laughs> um one of the interesting things in this chapter that i wanted to talk about is so she's in a litter and she's riding to the Western market and she says, as her litter passed beneath the stolen monuments, she went from sunlight to shadow and back again. Danny swayed along, studying the faces of the dead heroes and forgotten kings. She wondered if gods of burned cities could still answer prayers. Mm. That, in, that line interests me because mm. I'm like, okay, like even though she's thinking Daenerys is thinking of how like the blood riders and the Dothraki will burn cities. Like mm. she's going to actually burn cities. Like she's going to burn <laughs> Astaport. Like she's going to burn Astaport. And, right. Well, she's going to burn the, the slave masters of Astaport, but I feel like that's a bit of foreshadowing. Like the Dothraki burn cities, but they do it in a different way than what mm. like, she's going to actually eventually have the capable, the capability of, to really burn cities like the Valyrians used to. So right. I thought that line was interesting. And like right after it, she says, if I were not blood of the dragon, she thought wistfully, this could be my home. And I'm like, okay. So what she's saying to me is I am the last person alive with the blood of House Targaryen, with the blood of the dragon. My calling is bigger than this. I, right. I could be Khaleesi. Like I have a strong man. I have a swift horse. I have handmaidens and warriors to keep me safe um, in a place for when I grow old. But I'm blood of the dragon. I'm the last <laughs> of my family's legacy. I'm the last of a dynasty. I have like I'm, I'm made for bigger things than this. I feel like that's what she's saying. And she says like, 
that what she has right now should be enough for any woman, but mm-hmm. not for the dragon. With Viserys gone, Daenerys was the last, the very last. She was the seed of kings and conquerors, and so too the child inside her. She must not forget. I mean, how much pressure is that? (laughs) (laughs) That On a (laughs) 13-year-old. She's literally carrying the weight of her family, like her, like just the 300-year dynasty on her, like... And uh, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about that exactly? Because I have like, I answer questions on Cora and, you know, questions there are a lot. Sometimes they're like a lot of um, like really out of universe questions. And mm-hmm. people are like, you know, was it wrong? Should Daenerys have just forgotten everything the Sarahs told her? Would it have been easier for her to find a home if she had just let go of everything he told her about their family? Like, yeah. It would have been, I think it would have definitely been easier for her just to live her life in the Dothraki Sea. Um, Mm. But even if she wanted to, even if she wanted to, she couldn't because I look at Daenerys as almost like a messiah-like figure in in these books. Like when, if if this was the real world years from now, Daenerys would be talked about like as a god right so I feel like part of part of what Viserys was doing was his own prayer kind of like to his gods like everything like she says it like he recited it every day like a prayer and I feel like it's so ingrained in her like what their family was, mm-hmm. who she is. It's so ingrained in her that even if she wanted to forget it, she couldn't. Yeah. Especially when she's having dragon dreams that are fueling the flames. Right. Like, and it's just like, I feel like that is, is like you said, like she's a messiah figure. So it's like, even if she wanted to, like the fictional universe of Planetos just supernaturally would not let her. Like she, she like, I like to quote a line she says when um, in A Clash of Kings, when they like asked her, like, how did she, you know, bring the dragons forth? And she says from ancient wisdom buried in her blood. Mm -hmm. So that tells me like, she's like, she, your her the mythical connection to her bloodline just wasn't never gonna leave her alone so no (laughs) in my opinion she is the prince that was promised like she is azor high i feel like she checks every box and Mm. if she is well i feel like like i honestly feel like there could be multiple people in the story that fit it but Mm. and and they all could be something they like they all could be azor high in their own in their own universe like they're they're all the main character in their own story so mm. i feel like danny being like this is a high figure there's no way that she wasn't gonna be fucked with and made to do the things that she did because like some of the things that happen just already like her getting the dragon eggs right yeah it's it's so it seems so faded yeah that's the word faded. 
So Daenerys is in the Western market. Um, mm-hmm. She likes the Western market. She likes the Eastern market, but the Eastern market, like the food is like a stranger and the people as well. <laughs> so <laughs> Sir Jorah goes and um, he goes to like get to see if he's gotten any letters from Illyrio. Daenerys is kind of like, you know, let me go with you. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, I kind of wonder, did Daenerys, did Jorah know that he was, she was about to die today? I feel like he found out after he went for the letter. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like he found out, I feel like whatever, I feel like he lied to her about the contents of what he got, because I know he tells her that, like, it was a letter from Illyrio, and it said that Rob Robert had offered a lordship to anyone that would kill her or her brother, but mm-hmm. I feel like the letter actually came from King's Landing itself saying that, and it probably somewhere in there had details about, like, the fact that Varys had already sent his spies to take her out or something because mm-hmm. he came back so certain that that wine cellar was trying to poison her yeah he did yeah that makes sense yeah what you're saying is probably actually 100% right <laughs> 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 so they're walking around the market like they Daenerys is happy she's mm-hmm. gotten some gifts like this is the first time she's left since Viserys' death Mm-hmm. Um, and she sees a wine merchant that is selling wine. Um, Wait, just a moment. Just before we brush over that, I just, because I absolutely 100% hate when people, <laughs> when people use her reaction to Viserys' death as a sign that she was going <laughs> mad. And uh, even the showrunners did that. Like, Dave was like, he's like, oh, there's something chilling about the way she responds. Like, she still mourned him. She did. She still mourned him. Eerie said that this is the first time she's laughed since he died. So it's like, no, that was not a sign she was going crazy. And if she didn't mourn him, Jesus, he wanted to kill her baby. He abused her for years and years and years. He wanted to rape her the night before her wedding. Illyrio had to put guards in front of her door. Like he was always pinching her nipples and twisting them and (laughs) talking to her and bullying her and beating on her. Girl, fuck him. I don't give a fuck if she didn't mourn him or not, but you're right. She did. (laughs) Right. Right. I wouldn't have mourned him. But, you know, that's why she's the Messiah and I'm not. So Right. (laughs) Right. Facts. (laughs) But, yeah, like, she did mourn him. Like, like, um, this was the first time that she's left. And, like, even even in the later chapters, when, like, the her last chapter in Dance, when he appears to her. Mm. And she's like, you betrayed me. Like, you sold me. (laughs) And he's like. It, it it was sad. It was sad. And she begged him, like she begged him to take to have a seat, to have several. Mm-hmm. She was like, have several seats. Like, I'll give you mm-hmm. my I'll give you my dragon eggs, like whatever. Just please put the sword away. Like she was begging him not to be acting a fool. And then when he was got he played a dumb game and got a dumb prize. It's like, what do you want her to do? Like, 
fall right. out all over the floor and rip her dress <laughs> because her abuser's dead. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's just like, yeah, like you said, it was it's very important to note that she was trying to save him until he threatened her baby. Like that was the final straw for her. Yeah. And rightly so. Like, so yeah, I just wanted to touch on that before we moved get, over that. Before we get to the wine cellar. Um right. and you know, between like I when I was rereading this chapter, I know like everybody always talks about George like describing the food. Oh my god, I was can I literally have it in my notes to mention that. Like he it's it's so like it's just such rich world building. Like I the way he describes the food, like, it sounds kind of gross sometimes at the same time, but I still want to try it. Like, I ain't gonna lie. I wanted that sausage. <laughs> when, when we were, when I was free reading, I was like, I need a sausage. <laughs> Gosh. Yes. He makes it sound so good. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that sounds really good. Like, some of this shit sounds kind of gross. Like, locust pie sounds nasty as fuck. Mm-hmm. But, like, when he was describing that sausage and even, like, Danny, like, her memories of it, I'm like, damn, that shit sounds good. Like, right. And those honey cakes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So they're in the market. So they turn the corner and it says they came upon a wine merchant offering thimble sized cups of his wares to the passerby. Sweetbreads, he cried in fluent Dothraki. I have sweetbreads from Lise and Volantis and the Arbor. Whites from Lise Tyroshi, pear brandy, fire wine, pepper wine, the pale green nectars of Mir. That sounds good. Right. (laughs) And delicious sours. I have them. I have them. And she is like, he sees Danny and he's like, a taste for the Khaleesi. I have a sweet red from Dorn, my lady. It sings of plums and cherries and rich dark oak. A cask, a cup, a swallow, one taste, and you will name your child after me. Danny's like, bitch, my son has a name already. Like, how how arrogant do you have to be? To say? <laughs> if the Khaleesi drinks your wine, she's going to name her kid after. No. No, but yeah. But she's like, but I'll have some of that wine anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I love the description of that. Like, just even him describing the wines makes me want to try them. Like, Andalish Sours, bitch. That just, yes. that sounds like that would get me drunk as fuck. Like, I, I would love to try it. Yes. I really do. Yes. Um, so they're talking, they're talking and she's like, you know, I want a taste of that wine. And he's like that Dornish swill. It is not worthy of a princess. I have a dry red from the Arbor crisp and delectable. Please let me give you a cask. And so he, he shows her like that it has the red wine sigil on it which is yeah. definitely from the arbor and he's like there's no finer drink and I, I she's probably intrigued by it because you know that's that's a taste of home that's a taste yeah. of westeros yeah um but then sir jorah pops up and mm-hmm. he's like no no and she's like is something wrong and he's like i have a thirst open it wine cellar and he's like, the wine is for the Khaleesi, not for the likes of you. 
So basically, <laughs> Dora is like trying to force the dude to, to um to drink the wine, mm. and I I don't I uh, it's like Sir Jorah. I'm like so half and half on Sir Jorah. Like sometimes I like him, and then other times I hate him. This is a time that I actually hate him. Mm-hmm. because he knows what's going on like even though he saves her life he knows what's going on mm-hmm. like he knows what's going on so it doesn't mean like it doesn't mean as much like you're only saving her life because you sold her secrets to put her in this position to start with right i i only like shodora because shodora is a different character he's he's uh, i mean he sold like does some of the same shit as book jara mm-hmm. but i feel like in the show like i don't know like there's just a less curvy aspect to him that <laughs> yeah that i can get behind like he he even though he's like still in love with her or whatever he's he he's okay with her not returning it you know like he supports her anyway he's there for her show jara to me is a different character book jara is a total creep. I do not like him. I like. I feel like, like in a Clash of Kings, like basically, like he, Danny, just like notices like how he does anything to get between her and any other men. Like he's always trying to like isolate her so that he's the one she trusts most. Like, and it's just like it, he totally gives me like he would run away with her somewhere, like just like kidnap her and take her if he could. Yeah, and. I, so yeah, I don't like Book Jorah, and even though he saved her life in this moment, I looked at it the same way you did. It's like, okay, yeah, you're saving her life, but you put it in danger. So it's like, it's still fuck you. Yeah. So I agree with that 100%. Like, fuck Jorah. And when he kissed her, like, that shit made me want to fight him. Like, if he was a real person. Like, bro, like, don't put her in that kind of position. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I agree. So, um, they take the, they take the dude, like, they, they, like, chase him down and take him. And, and Danny's like, how did you know? How? And. Jorah's like, I did not know Khaleesi, not until the man refused to drink. But once I read Ma- Magister, mm, but once I read Magister Illyrio's letter, I feared. His dark eyes swept over the faces of the strangers in the market. Come, best not talk of it here. So I want to read this quote because it makes me so sad for Danny. Danny was near tears as they carried her back. The taste in her mouth was one she had known before. Fear. For years she had lived in terror of Viserys, afraid of waking the dragon. This was even worse. It was not just for herself that she feared now, but for her baby. He must have sensed her fright, for he moved restlessly inside her. Danny stroked the swell of her belly gently, wishing she could reach him, touch him, soothe him. You are the blood of the dragon, little one, she whispered as her litter swayed along, curtains drawn tight. You are the blood of the dragon, and the dragon does not fear. I love that part because it shows that Daenerys, Daenerys has been a fearful child 
her whole, like, since we've known her before we've known her before we met her in her chapter, she's a fearful child. Illyrio says the, the Daenerys that sheltered at his house was a frightened child. Mm. And that's what she's always been. And she started to regain herself, like find herself, find her inner strength. Um, ever since her wedding to call Drogo, it's like, you've seen her just manifest into a different person, like really embrace her blood of the dragon side of her. And this is before she has dragons. This is when only thing she has is herself. Mm-hmm. She, and she really reaches deep down inside of her and takes those fears fears away she does it with the silver horse at first like when she jumps over the fire she does it um when she has that like when she's i think it's danny three when she was like wants to die because she just hates it so much like she hates having to like ride horses all day and then be fucked all night by drogo drogo and she doesn't <laughs> like it and yeah. then and then she has the dragon dream and like the fire burns it all away and then like the next day she feels rejuvenated and she's like fitting in and, and adapting to the culture and she's really flourishing and then this attempt on her life brings back that frightened child that mm. that trauma that she knows like she says it tastes familiar like it's a familiar taste and she hasn't tasted it in a while and it makes it worse because she's pregnant and and it's her child's life that's in danger as well so this is also the the first time that Daenerys has had to worry about someone else like Daenerys has had people like lording over her and bossing her around but now Daenerys is responsible for another human and she mm-hmm. hasn't had that before. And I think it's like, it's really sad, but it's also very telling to what a sacrifice Rago would be. My, I, yeah. I was going to say, I definitely think it's foreshadowing when she's like, you're blood of the dragon. You are blood of the dragon. The blood of the dragon does not fear when she's telling that to Rago. I feel like it's foreshadowing. Like we talk about a lot. What is a sacrifice? Like what makes a good sacrifice for Daenerys? Giving up the only child, her only child, a son, the stallion who mounts the world is her belief that that's what her son is. Um, The last male heir of house Targaryen. That's a hell of a sacrifice right there. Uh, yeah it really is I 100% agree with that I feel like I I just think it's I find it really sad that she didn't realize she was sacrificing her son mm-hmm. when when she did but because we know she wouldn't have but I agree that makes the sacrifice all the more powerful like it's uh, when you're when it's something you truly wouldn't give up that is what makes it the perfect sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. And, but I'm back to that, like that quote, like that you read when she said, like how she hadn't known fear in a while. I, I love any time in any book in any Danny chapter when she draws strength from the dragon, mm-hmm. because it just it's so. It's so reassuring. It's so 
warming like because like you said like we met her as like this frightened child like she was really as battered as a person could be and meek as a person could be and to see her like just I don't know like it's at the point where I myself feel like I draw strength from saying I am blood of the dragon Mm -hmm. like it's it's just so empowering I love reading that anytime and then that moment where she tells it to her son like yeah it's just an empowering thing anytime she draws strength from the dragon I love it yeah I mean me too and it's interesting when we talk about drawing strength from the dragon as soon as this happens when she gets back she's like light the light the fire and Sajora's like, it's hot. Like, are you sure? <laughs> and, and she's like, I have a chill. Light the fire. And then she like takes her dragon eggs. And she's like, basically, she's like, um, when the coals were afire, Danny sent Sajora from her. She had to be alone to do what she must do. This is madness, she told herself as she lifted the black and scarlet egg from the velvet. It would only crack and burn. And it's so beautiful. Sajora will call me a fool if I ruin it. And yet, and yet. And she cradles the egg in her hands and carries it to the fire and she pushes it down amongst the burning coals. The black scales seemed to glow as they drank the heat. Flames licked against the stone with small red tongues. Danny placed the other two eggs beside the black one in the fire. As she stepped back from the brazier, the breath trembled in her throat. She watched until the coals had turned to ashes. Drifting sparks floated up and out of the smoke hole. Heat shimmered in waves around the dragon eggs. And that was all. Your brother Rhaegar was the last dragon, Sir Jorah had said. Danny gazed at her eggs sadly. What had she expected? A thousand thousand years ago, they had been alive. But now they were only pretty rocks. They could not make a dragon. A dragon was air and fire, living flesh, not dead stone. So I think it's very interesting mm. that Danny has this encounter with fear again. Mm-hmm. And her solution to that is I need to hatch these dragon eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to light a, I need to light a fire and hatch these dragon eggs. <laughs> yeah i mean like you said like she literally draws strength from her inner dragon so it it makes sense that now that she has this very real external threat like she needs external dragons like yeah she's like i need actual dragons bitch like he's coming for me yeah and another interesting (laughs) thing about that quote is they could not make a dragon A dragon was air and fire, living flesh, not dead stone. And in the Mm. Azor High prophecy, they talk about waking dragons from stone. And Daenerys references her dragons as stone dragons so many damn times. Yeah. And it's just, and they they are, they're literal stones. Like she, she really, I, I view Daenerys's, um, birth of dragons as her doing the impossible like she she is she essentially brings a species back from non-existence yep so it's that is very mythical and godlike Mm -hmm. really and i uh, like that line right there like is the waking the dragons from stone like i think 
if there is nothing else about the Azor Ahai prophecy that convinces you that she's Azor Ahai, it's that line. Yeah, waking dragons from stone, definitely. And you know, another thing about her actual birthing dragons, she incubated these eggs. Like, <laughs> I swear. So when the Targaryens, like before the dragons went extinct and the Targaryens used to um, hatch dragons, they would like a, an egg would be placed in the cradle with the baby. And then the baby would like just carry the egg around all the time and do stuff with it all the time. And that's what she does. Like she's mm-hmm. always one like asking for her dragon egg to sleep with it or she holds it against her belly or she's always like touching them, looking at them. And then think about like these dragon eggs riding on the on a cart through the Dothraki Sea with like that sun blazing down on them and then her putting them in braziers. Like I feel like the funeral pyre was the final step, but this whole time I feel she's been incubating these eggs. Mm-hmm. Like everything she's been doing is a part of why they hatched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had I I I had got asked a question on Cora this one time about why um John didn't ride Rhaegal back from Winterfell to King's Landing even though he had bonded with Rhaegal mm-hmm. and uh, of course we know the story reason is because D&D wanted to kill Rhaegal <laughs> but um I did say that I feel like Daenerys is different from other Targaryens in the aspect that I think no matter who can ride or bond with her dragons they'll always be hers because she brought them back from nothing. Like, except, like, of course, unless George does something like what the Night King did, like magically stealing the dragon, which well, we know Euron wants Euron, to do. Yeah, I was supposed yeah, to say Euron. I, yeah. And I mean, like, that's magical. Like, that is like, he's going to use like a magical horn to do that. Like, that's mm-hmm. different. I can see why, like, he would steal a dragon that way. But I mean, like, if, say, like, John bonds with Rhaegal I feel like he would still be Danny's dragon because normal Targaryens like you said they incubate it with the egg like Daenerys didn't just incubate with the egg she gave birth to them yeah blood sacrifice and she breastfed those dragons like let's yeah, not like, that part <laughs> like, right, like, she is their mother for real <laughs> So yeah, I don't think that I don't think that like someone bond like if another like in universe Targaryen with Targaryen blood like connects with one of her dragons and can ride it, I don't think they can like take it from her. Yeah. That that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. I like the fact that see, it's like one of the things about House of the Dragons that's that's really sad to me is that oh, this is kind of spoilery. Um, I am, are you okay yeah. with that? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's not really spoilery, but it kind of is if you haven't read Fire and Blood. But basically, in House of the Dragon, Caraxes, is it? Yeah, Caraxes and Vagar flew together all the time because Damon, Damon is Caraxes's rider, and Vagar is. Or, and Lena was Vagar's rider, and Lena and Damon were married. Right. Yeah. And then Caraxes and Vagar wind up having to fight each other to the death at the God's Eye. 
right after oh. Vagar got a new rider. So it's like I oh. don't know, but I do think Daenerys is a d- way different than any of her ancestors before her. Yeah, that's like I mean. And I mean, it's still like we know George has said there will be a second dance of dragons. Mm-hmm. So we know that the dragons are eventually going to fight each other. It's just, I feel like I was always assuming that it had to be Euron, like, because he wants to steal one. Like, yeah. and I, I believe the dragon horn is going to work. I think he's going to steal Viserion. Uh, but it's like, if it was like another rider, like say Fagon has dragon blood and he can ride a dragon, or if John rides Rhaegar, which I, I mean, that is actually my theory. I do believe that the second Dance of Dragons will be Danny versus John and not Danny versus Fagon. I just feel mm-hmm. like that's too big of a plot point to waste on Fagon. Yeah. <laughs> so I do feel like the second dance is Danny versus John. It's just I always felt like because she gave birth to the dragons, they're hers in a way her ancestors never had them. Yeah, that's true. Like I do agree with that. I'm just interested to see what George is gonna do. But I yeah. do think I do think that Euron or whoever has Dragonbinder or figures out how to use Dragonbinder might get a dragon. I do think Viserion's days are numbered. Bless his heart. I feel like <laughs> the Tyrion chapter foreshadowed something is going to happen to Viserion in Marine, which makes me Ugh. think it's yeah. I just don't want to see it. I'm sorry. Like watching it on TV was bad enough. I oh don't, my god! I don't want to have to read how George describes the death of a dragon. Like it's gonna kill me. Yeah, I feel you. Like <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> so, um, Drogon or Drogon, Drogo comes back and he's killed the white, uh, the white lion. Um, and he's like slings the carcass down for Danny. It's like here, I'm gonna make you a cloak of its skin, moon of my life. <laughs> and then Danny tells him what happens. And um, Drogo's like the seller of poisons ran from the moon of my life. Better he should run after her. So he will. Jogo, Jorah, the Andal. To each of you, I say, choose any horse you wish for my herds, and it is yours. Any horse, save my red and the silver that was my bride gift to the moon of my life. I make this gift to you for what you did. And to Rago, son of Drogo, the stallion who will mount the world, to him I also pledge a gift. To him I will give this iron chair his mother's father sat in. I will give him seven mm-hmm. kingdoms. I, Drogo, call, will do this thing. His <laughs> voice rose and he lifted his fist to the sky. I will take my Kalasar west to where the world ends and ride the wooden horses across the black salt water as no call has done before. I will kill the men in their iron suits and tear down their stone houses. I will rape their women, take their children as slaves and bring their broken gods back to Vastothrak to bow down beneath the mother of the mountains. This I vow. I, Drogo, son of Barbo, this I swear before the mother of the mountains as the stars look down in witness. So, Call Drogo is basically promising to war. take yeah, war and to take the Iron Throne. And I love it. I, uh, <laughs> I just, 
I I have an unhealthy obsession with the Dothraki, mm-hmm. and I that speech I love that speech. I mean, I know everybody always points out the part where he's like, "I will rape their women," mm-hmm. and I, it does it does give me pause. It, it's very, very disturbing. Very yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very disturbing. But I I that's just something like I chalk up to. You know, I charge it to the game because they're savages. Yeah. It's, 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 that's their culture, as wrong as it may be. But I feel like that speech is so powerful. Even I know Jason Momoa, like I've watched the first, um, the very first Comic Con for season one of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, which was hosted by George himself, which was really cool. And Jason Momoa literally, thanks George for writing that speech he's like that's the best war speech he's ever seen and his delivery of it was just even more epic than I the way I read it in my head so that scene where they kept like flashing when he was talking (laughs) and they flashed on Danny's face and I was like yes Raz queen like she was just looking at him like that's my man like that is my man like I I live I'm sorry I love that speech and I even which is something I hope that George actually takes from the show like one of my favorite if not my favorite scene of season six is when um when Danny is on her way back from um Vez Dothrak with Dario and uh, uh, the Dothraki and Mm -hmm. she gets on Drogon and repeats that speech like she reiterates it like it gives me fucking chills like yeah she's like it's just like she's the way the look on her face the way they're all cheering and screaming it's such a full circle moment I really hope George does some iteration of that because it was just too epic it was I I love that I love that speech me too um (laughs) another thing oh not really another thing but the chapter kind of ends with them taking the dude so two days later they leave and they tie the dude up to the horse. And Danny's like, mm-hmm. no harm would come to him so long as he kept up. So basically, he has to keep up with the horse or he'll just get dragged by the horse until he dies. Body <laughs> falls apart and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrendous. <laughs> but like, you tried to kill the Khaleesi. What did you expect? Right. You very much, you did. And um, yeah, I... I and something else that I feel like this chapter is important to signal out or whatever is because on Korra, like, there are a lot of people that, like, a lot of the Danny haters say that um, Danny's punishment of, of, of Miri was, wasn't, like, justified or whatever because, um, because of what Drogo those did to her village and the fact that they're doing it for Danny. They're like, she's responsible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like it's important to note that this chapter begins with her trying to get Drogo to go to war and he doesn't think it's worth it until there's an attempt made on his son's life. Like, so if Danny wanted to avoid war, if she had randomly decided to change her mind, there would have been nothing she could have done anyway. Like Drogo decided to go to war for the throne because an attempt was made on his son and his wife. Yeah, and another point, like, just to add more to what you're saying, because what you're saying is 100% facts, like, she couldn't have changed Drogo's mind at this point, but Danny doesn't even 
understand war. <laughs> like right. she hasn't even witnessed war yet. She doesn't know. Like she is half. Like they have to tell her. Like this is a way of war. <laughs> like this like, is like this is how it is. Right. <laughs> so she doesn't even realize what she's asking for. Like she doesn't realize all the innocent people that will get hurt. I will say that I sometimes I sympathize with Miri Mazdor all the way up until she kills Rago. Mm-hmm. If she had killed drogo and that was the extent of her vengeance then so be it but to mm. kill rago to sacrifice a child on some trickery shit was fucked up now I, yeah yeah Continue. oh i'm sorry i was just gonna say now i don't even necessarily think that she tried to kill drogo I don't think right. that she like tried to kill Dro- Drogo didn't listen to any of her fucking instructions. Like he didn't listen to anything <laughs> that she told him. Okay, I'm going to put this on you. Don't take it off. It might itch. Don't take it off. Don't drink. Don't he was drinking the whole time. He ripped this thing <laughs> off. Like he didn't do anything that she said. So it's it's kind of like hard to say whether she actually killed him or like plotted to kill him or not, but it's a hundred percent. Like she knew what Daenerys was going to get for the paint for her child's life. Yeah. And she I, knew that's not what she was asking for. She did. She did. I think she, I, I think she, I think Drogo would have survived had he followed her instructions, but I don't think, I think Miri knew he wouldn't. Yeah. I think she exactly. counted on the fact that he wouldn't. Exactly. Like and she, she, <laughs> she very much knew because she knows the Dothraki. So she, I think she counted on the fact that he wouldn't and that would put Danny in the situation she was in for, for Miri to enact her revenge plan. Mm-hmm. And I won't say that I sympathize with Miri because, I mean, it's not that I, I will say I understand where she's coming from. And I do think she's justified in wanting revenge. And even if she had sought revenge and did what she did, like she is justified. They just trampled her whole village. Like she had been raped several times before Danny got there. So I, I, I get it. I 100% get her. I just think that doesn't, just because Miri is justified in wanting revenge doesn't mean Danny is unjustified in killing her. Oh no. Because Bitch like, deserve to die. Right. It's like, yeah, like if Miri is justified in wanting revenge, then then logically speaking, so is Danny. Like Right. And that's you- the thing. Like trauma is a cycle. Right. So somebody has to stop the cycle. So that's what Danny was trying to do. She was trying to stop the cycle by by reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm sorry this happened to you. Can you be one of my ladies? No one will harm you. You know what I mean? So she, right. she was trying to do what she could do to stop the cycle. Mary's like, fuck, the, fuck this. Cycle continues. I want revenge. So right. Mary takes her revenge. And then Daenerys takes her revenge back because the other way didn't work. Right. <laughs> Try the other like, way. <laughs> I 100% agree. Yeah, I feel like. Miri is justified and so is Danny, which is one thing that, you know, George always says, like, if you knew someone else's side of the story, you would always like get why they do what they do. So uh, 
I, I, uh, I agree. I feel like Miri was justified in wanting revenge, but I don't. Tra- I held nothing against Danny for burning her. Like you, you killed my husband and you killed my child after I tried to be nice to you. Like it wasn't my fault that you had been raped three times before <laughs> right. I got there. Like so, I'm gonna burn you, bitch. Like yeah. and then Miri also plays like a big role in the birth of dragons because. Without her betrayal, I, I don't know if Danny would have ever, um, because she basically like thanks Miri for betraying her because she says that you, you, you taught me this, like she learned how to bring dragons to life because of Miri. And Miri was the sacrifice, right? <laughs> well, well, at least one of them for sure because when she's in the house of the undying, she sees dragons bust from Miri Mazdor's eyebrows. Yes, yes, and I, I'll never forget like how scared Miri was after Daenerys said, "I remember what you said." What you said, like only death can buy life. Like I think, and I think when Danny said that, Miri figured out what Danny was about to do, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it terrified her. So uh, I, I. I I don't know. I love it. I love I love everything. I love the whole Dothraki storyline. I love that's one of my that's why I love rereading a Game of Thrones because I love all of Daenerys's time with the Dothraki and mm-hmm. uh, that's something I'm very excited about in the Winds of Winter cuz she's going to be back there. So I I just can't wait to see her surrounded by them again. Yeah, me too. I thoughts on Daenerys 6? Um, no, I, we, I think we pretty much covered everything. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about how much I loved the Dothraki and how much I loved Drogo's speech, as problematic as it can be. And I love, yeah, I also wanted to touch on, yeah, we touched on everything. George's description of the food and how much, <laughs> <laughs> how much Danny, uh, how touching it is when she draws strength from the dragons. So yeah, that that pretty much encompasses my thoughts on Danny Six. Uh, yeah, same. Like I feel like we covered everything. Um, I feel like this is that chapter where, oh, it's about to go downhill. It's about to go mm. really downhill, really fast. Yeah, she it, it it doesn't get prettier for her after this. Yeah, like this is the. Like, if you don't know what's happening next, then you're like, oh, shit, we're at the height. We're at the height <laughs> of Danny. Like, she's about to go west. She's about to go to west of Rose. And it's like, it's like, bitch, you thought. like Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it goes downhill for her after this very, very quickly. For sure. But I would like to thank you for coming on to Obsidian Nights. I appreciated your company and all the thoughts you brought to the table. Thank you. No, no problem. And if anyone would like to join or be on an episode of Celeb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If anyone would like to be on an episode of Obsidian Nights, all you need to do is hit up at Nim's Shadow on Instagram or Twitter. Send her a DM and she will set you up with a chapter and a record date. As always, thanks for watching. Thanks to everyone that supports me on Patreon. 
If you like this video, give it a thumbs up. Please click that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Enjoy the sweet summer family. Okay, bye.